On this episode of the Birdie Breakdown Podcast, we'll be recapping a bounce-back series sweep over the Texas Rangers. We'll be going over all of the trades and acquisitions the Orioles made at the deadline. And finally, we'll be debuting the first half of our updated Top 30 Orioles prospect list. All of this and much more next on the Birdie Breakdown Podcast. All right, so to start off, uh, the Orioles went out to Texas and they swept the season series against the Texas team who scores a lot of runs but also gives up a lot of runs. Game one, you know, in the midst of the Mancini trade, I did not have any expectations for this team. I thought they would lose and I thought it would be bad. I thought they wouldn't be focused, but I was wrong. Cedric Mullins hit the leadoff homer to start the game off and the boys rallied behind that homer. Adley had a couple of huge doubles. He's just an on-base machine. Mountcastle broke out of his slump with a couple of base hits. Santander extended his hit streak to 14. And the Orioles won 7-2 to behind a great start by Spencer Watkins. You know, and this came after a series against the Reds where the Orioles were having issues scoring runs. And, you know, Brennan Hyde had said multiple times, it'd just be great if we could, you know, not have a close game so to give our bullpen some rest. And the Orioles blew wide open really early. Spencer Watkins had a quality start. He went six innings. That was really huge uh, to rest an Orioles bullpen who, you know, needs a break after all the innings they pitched this year. Game two, the Orioles won eight to two, so another big win. And this is the Jorge Mateo show. He had a two-homer game. The first one was a three-run bomb out to left field. It was a no-doubter. He pimped it, walked on the bases all slowly. It was really fun to watch. And this is right after the Jorge Lopez trade. The Orioles sent Lopez um, to Minnesota for four arms. We'll get into later on in the show. But Mateo didn't stop there. He had another homer in the eighth inning, and Baltimore won eight to two. And a really good start, again, from an Orioles starter. This time it was Jordan Lyles returning home, who they said this on the massive broadcast. Apparently, um, Jordan Lyles has the most innings pitch at Globe, Globe Life Field, which is a super pretty, pretty new ballpark, which is, you know, just something Jordan Lyles does. He eats up innings, and he's something that he did on uh, in game two. Game three, you know, certain national media writers claim that the Orioles waved the white flag, but – the Orioles said otherwise, and they pulled off a sweep. It was a shaky couple of first innings by Kyle Bradish, but he ended up going five confident innings. And he pitched equal to Martin Perez, the Texas Rangers all-star pitcher, who was 7-2 and two on the year with a sub-three earned run average, thanks to a McKenna homer. That shocked us all. And the Orioles didn't stop there. They took off. They scored five runs in the seventh inning. And, and later, Chirinos had a homer and an insurance RBI. And the guy who flipped the scales with his game or go-ahead RBI double in the eighth was Taron Vavra, who at this point needs to be starting over Rubenet Odor. Yeah, uh, I agree with everything you said. It was just a really solid series all around. And my key actually was to attack early. Your key, I believe, going to the series was – uh, the starting pitching has to be really solid, and both of them happened at the same time. Uh, so that led to success. And I was going to talk about Chirinos today because he really shocked me. I wasn't expecting this. Uh, as a bunch of Orioles fans have ta- hopped on the Robinson Chirinos slander train, which makes sense. He's not been good this year. He is a below uh, 500 OPS. 
uh, and he's just struggled all around. He's not that much. He's not that serviceable behind the plate compared, obviously compared to Adley and even Jacob Nottingham in AAA. But but today he was he was unbelievable both at the plate and behind the plate. At the plate he went three for four. Uh, he had that homer, had two RBIs, had the single after the Vavra single, and behind the plate he was solid. His framing was was better, but it wasn't the best. Uh, but no, it was for him. It was just great to see him bounce back. Yeah, I mean, Trinus is a guy who you're not going to get this every time out of him, but it was really, really good to see. I did not expect – I mean, that homer went 407 out to left. It was a no-doubter. And then he turned around and got that RBI uh, single scoring Vavra after he got the go-ahead double scoring Mateo after that steal that was reviewed. But good things out of Trinus. So there were a lot of great player performances, individual performances in this Texas series. Um for me, the player of the series is Jorge Mateo. He's really been swinging a hot bat. And, again, he's just been playing outstanding defense, gold glove caliber defense at shortstop out of Mateo. This series, he went four for 11 with a double, two homers, six RBIs, a walk, and two stolen bases, one that we just talked about in game three that proved to be clutch that ended up, you know, he ended up scoring on the Vavra um, better than Odor. RBI double for him that went out to the left field wall in game three. And he started off with a bang. He went over two today. He walked three times, which continues to show that he, he can get on base no matter the circumstances. Yeah. I think hit 455 in the Texas series. He was on base 60% of the time, which is absolutely insane. He slugged 800 in these three games in, to begin August. Really impressive stuff for him. He leads all, Major league rookies with 22 doubles and, you know, guys at the top like Julio and Bobby Witt. He has half the at-bats in him. Really impressive to see Adley way up at the top in doubles for a guy who has half the at-bats. So in the series, there were also some pretty cool moments, pretty clutch moments from the Orioles. Unlike times in the past, they got some hits and runners with runners in scoring position. But for me, right after the Trey Mancini trade, players in, of the future like Cedric Mullen stepped up and my moment of the series was when he hit the leadoff homer in game one. You know, he's a future piece. You want to build around him. And it's good to see a guy like him step up big time right out of the gate and show not just this team, but the fans and national media writers like Buster, Buster Olney that the Orioles aren't just going to wave their white flag. Taron Vavra said that we're going to bust our asses off every single day. And it showed. Yeah, that sure felt good. I mean, to start off that game, Spencer Watkins was a lead, as you said. Uh, he picked up the win. He's 4-1 and one on the year now. Uh, that, that felt good. And then the Lopez trade, too. Well, you got kicked. You got kicked where you're already down. And that probably felt like an insult to probably Brandon Hyde in the locker room. Hyde loves those guys. Uh, he's put Trey in, Trey in, in tough situations, Lopez in tough situations. He trusted them all year. And then they were both gone in the blink of an eye. Uh, anyway. For my my moment of the series, it's got to be that Taron Vavra single uh, today, uh, Wednesday afternoon. I mean, to see him come up uh, and, he, you know, under all the circumstances, his wife's 33, 35 weeks pregnant. Uh, he's not getting uh, sufficient playing time behind Rugnet Odor. Uh, well, today he, he showed what he's made of. And, and he got the RBI single into uh, right center field. Uh, yeah, no, left center field. 
uh, split the gap, and Mateo scored easily after that stolen base. So that felt good. And, and then the quote afterwards where he said, we're going to bust our asses. Uh, that, that was just a phenomenal moment. Uh, more like a welcome to the show type type of thing for the kid. It would have absolutely pissed me off if high pinch hit Odor instead of Barbara. Oh, my gosh. I would, I would have absolutely lost it. But um, that was the series for the Orioles. They're now 54 and 51 of the year. They have an off day Thursday, and they'll be back at it for the big 30th anniversary of Ken Mayard's celebration back on Friday in a weekend series against the Pittsburgh Pirates. And, again, they can try to make up some more games. There's still two, two games back of Tampa Bay. Um, three games back of Seattle and a half game behind the Cleveland Guardians, trying to get that one of those last wild card spots. Um, this team has a lot of fight, and it's really fun to watch as they try to make it fifty-seven and fifty-one in a sweep against the Pirates coming up this weekend. But you know, we we touched on it a little earlier. They made some big trades. Um, you know, they sent Mancini to Houston, and they also sent Lopez to Minnesota. We'll start with the Mancini trade. So they, they sent Mancini in a three-team trade to Houston. They picked up Seth Johnson, the number six prospect in the Rays organization, um, as Jose Siri went to Tampa Bay. And they also picked up Chase McDermott from the Houston organization. Johnson's going to require Tommy John surgery, so he won't be back until this time next year, if that. So it's going to be a while down the road for him. But McDermott is a guy who – has been slept on apparently in the Houston Astros organization, a guy who was really well liked and has some potential. He slots in in that mid range uh, prospect level in the Orioles top 30 at about 15 right now per MLB pipeline. Um, but, you know, Mancini is also gone, which is a crusher. You know, he's the heart and soul of this team. While, you know, I think at times Orioles fans, especially Orioles Twitter, they get all caught up in their feelings about Mancini leaving, um, which is totally reasonable, you know. But at the same time, you have to look at it that it was the right move to make. This is a guy, like Elias said, he's going to be gone in nine weeks or his contract will expire in nine weeks. He'll be a free agent and you want to maximize value out of him um, before he becomes a free agent. Yeah, so I I feel like it was it was heartbreaking to trade Trey at least for me and probably for all Orioles fans involved. Uh, but for as for Johnson, uh, he's 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 fine. I just don't like the fact that he's slated to go under uh, undergo Tommy John surgery. But his velo is nice. His fastball sits at uh, it tops at ninety eight, and he sits in the mid nineties with uh, sliders and uh, off speed pitches. So he he can he can be solid. He has good command. Uh, he he's only, he only walked. 14 i believe yeah it was 14 and 49 and two-thirds innings uh down and uh in a ball uh for for tampa so we'll see what he can bring after tommy john surgery uh as for mcdermott though i'm actually really i'm high on him not high per se but i like where he's at uh even though he has a high era his k his k per nine inning strikeouts per nine inning is crazy i think it's 15 per nine uh, which is what you like to see from a young prospect. He just has to polish as a starter, uh, but he could emerge as a mid-rotation a mid starter if he continues to develop, uh, which the Orioles are are solid at player development. So we'll see what he can bring to the table. Multiple pitchers. They went for quantity over quality here. Although they did, they did get what was reportedly a really sought-after prospect 
and a right-hand pitcher, Case Povich from Minnesota. He'll start in Aberdeen. They also got a 28-year-old rookie right-handed pitcher, Yannier Cano, who was optioned to Norfolk. He has a little bit of major league experience in, in Minnesota, but not much. So he'll be starting out in Triple A for Baltimore. And the rest of the guys will be going to the, F- the FCL. Um, that'll be Juan Rojas and Juan Nunez. Rojas, Rojas, excuse me, is the guy who is more highly ranked than Nunez. He's not a top 30 guy, but he still has an electric arm. And people think that this guy could be something. And the bottom end, really, of this Lopez package. Uh, I mean, I, I considering the situation, I feel like it, it was a solid move. It probably wasn't the best return you could get. But, I mean, I see where Mike Elias is coming from. Uh, and I did see a tweet. It was by Grant Polson. You posted it on your IG story. He said that uh, Mike Elias is going to get crushed for selling. But that extra wild card spot uh, probably is fool's gold. So he knows not to abandon the plan. Uh, he, he's he's been through this experiment in Houston before, and obviously we know where Houston la- landed at and is still at. So if we follow that, we could be in a we could be set up for the next five or ten years. Uh, as for Cade Povich, uh, I actually like what he brings to the table. Uh, he he he's not too like over, he's not too overpowering. He doesn't too, have too too much overpowering stuff, but he works the strike zone. Uh, and if he can bring his velo up a little bit uh give him a couple years uh he he can he can be uh sure he has a, a great strike throwing ability as i said uh he, he his stock will continue to rise as he uh gains more and more experience yeah lopez has a couple more years of team control but this is only the first year that he's been performing at this level that he is last year he was one of the worst starters in baseball i mean if you if you look at it this way going into this year if someone told you that lopez would be an all-star closer and top five in the AL and saves. I mean, I, I would not have believed that for a second. Um, so you never know what these guys could turn out to. Um, another encouraging thing is that if you look at guys like David Robertson, that was traded from the Cubs to Philadelphia and other um, high leverage relievers, the Orioles got the best return. Robertson, he um he only got the Cubs only got back the 26th ranked prospect in the Phillies organization, and the Phillies don't have a great system, so. Yeah, while it may not have been the biggest, most flashiest return for Lopez, they still managed to pick up some intriguing arms. Yeah, I, I agree. I was going to say that Lopez is at the probably the peak of his value. Uh, he was, you said he was a struggling sitter last year, and he probably he was running out of like chances to to uh, be even of an arm, even in the back end of the rotation on a major league roster. So the fact that we got this much back in return, I mean. Could have got more, could have, should have, would have, uh, 2020 hindsight. But I, I, I personally, I, I'm fine with this. I would give it probably like a mid-tier grade, probably like a CC plus. Yeah, and the last trade that the Orioles made on the deadline was they brought in Brett Phillips, who was designated for assignment after the uh, Rays brought in Jose Siri in that three-team trade at St. Johnson to Baltimore and Mancini to Houston. Um. They traded him for cash consideration, so you know you didn't have to give up that much for Phillips, and you wouldn't need to because he's been pretty awful this year. But he is that Ryan McKenna type of player, except a worse hitter. He has really good speed, can run on the base paths, and he's an outstanding center fielder, left fielder, right fielder. He can play every single outfield position, and he's just a fun guy. 
and the presence that he brings to the locker room that just lost a veteran presence in Trey Mancini. Yeah, after the after uh, the train off homer today, he, he was on the top step of the dugout behind a couple other guys. But he was hyping up Trinos, and that was his first day as a member of the Orioles. So you absolutely love to see that. Uh, you 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 were you said what I was going to say. He could be like another bridge outfielder for now. Uh, Ryan McKenna type. Uh, he, he's a speedster, and like you said, and but he he's batting he's batting a career low uh 146 and only has a, a 473 ops so uh we could maybe turn it around i don't know i don't expect much out of it but you never know with uh baltimore i'm not sure how long he's going to be on this team for i don't really get elias has said that they've been having conversations about when to bring up kyle Stowers like every day at this point um so hopefully that's soon but you know you're still blocking guys like kyle Stowers using your diaz who was brought up for about 24 hours and then sent right back down because he picked up Phillips, who can't hit to save his life. I don't know. It's just, it's really interesting for the Orioles. And he came came back on Wednesday and an oppressor gave us a lot of, you know, reassuring comments um, and thoughts about this Orioles rebuild and where we are in the process of it. First, though, he said that he sat down with, Mountcastle and Mullins and Hayes and cornerstones for this future Orioles team that's going to be competitive for what he said is going to be the next 10 years or so. The reason why they had to trade trade Trey and Lopez is because he wanted to keep the organization consistent and healthy. But the biggest thing that I think he said that was really, really encouraging is he said, quote, it's liftoff from here. He expects that the Orioles are going to be signing some really big names and spending a lot of money in free agency this offseason saying that this is the opening of what I said was going to be a 10-year competitive window, um, which is really encouraging for an Orioles fan base and franchise who's been sucking since 2018. Yeah, well, I, I, those were encouraging words, but I mean, I don't know. I thought the silver lining to trading Trey was freeing up a spot for Sowers, who's been raking down in AAA in terms of raw power, which he obviously brings to the table. Uh, I mean, I expected us to call up Stowers, but then caught up Diaz, and I was a bit baffled by that. But I mean, you're freeing up a spot for, I guess, Brett Phillips for now. But I, I mean, I preferably I would want to see Stowers up. Uh, he's shown what he's done in AAA. This was mentioned before. He's shown what he's done in AAA. He, I believe, he's ready. I think uh, our front office believes. I hope. I hope that they believe he's ready because I, I really want to see him in the show. Yeah, I'm not sure what else Stowers needs to do to get up here. Um, but, you know, at first we're thinking, if Santander Trey gets traded, then Stowers is definitely that guy to be called up. He's having an insane year in AAA. Over 60 RBIs, 17 homers, um, striking out less, walking more, um, playing a really solid corner outfield spot. And then Trey gets traded and Diaz is up. Okay, so we're like, you know, Stowers is going to be called up after they get a look at Diaz for a couple of weeks. You know, we don't expect much from Diaz, but you want to give him a shot because, it's, you know, he's so injury-prone, just want to get it over with, see what you got, and maybe just option him down later and then bring up Stowers for the rest of the year. But then that didn't happen. They bring in Brett Phillips, who's a career sub-200 hitter in favor of Stowers, which is pretty, you know, it's just depressing. But his time will come. It'll be soon, later this summer. Another note, Michael Ice did say that D.L. Hall, who's been struggling in his past three starts um, in four innings, he allowed six runs, three homers, and four walks 
against the Nashville Sounds um, at home at Harbor Park. But he, Michael Elias expects that D.L. Hall will debut later this summer, so that's encouraging. Also, uh, Grayson Rodriguez has started throwing from 120 feet. While he may not get back into competitive action this year, he will definitely start throwing later towards the end of the summer from a mound. Um, and by all accounts, we think he's going to be back definitely opening day 2023 and in that Orioles rotation. Yeah, those are both really, really encouraging signs. I, I really like both of them. Uh, I'm really high on both of them. So I, I want to see them succeed, uh, as do uh, all Orioles fans. So I can't wait to see when they come up. Overall, though, the Orioles were busy this week. This week. Um, they added a lot of arms. They added a lot of talent in the draft over the past month. Um, and then by via trade, this deadline. So really encouraging stuff out of Berlin. Trying to build on this number one farm system in baseball. So moving on to the next segment of our show, um, we're going to hit you with the first half of our top 30 prospects. We'll start at 15 and go down to one. We'll save 16 through 30 for another show. But we'll start at the bottom. For me, this is a newly acquired guy, um, Chase Povich. Um, I really like his off-speed stuff. I know he maybe doesn't have that electric, you know, upper 90s fastball that so many guys or so many teams look for in pitchers these days. But he can control his stuff. Yeah, he is not in the upper levels of the minors yet, so we don't know for sure what he's got. But – Really intriguing arm here in COVID. And then at my number 14, I've got Joey Ortiz, who was, I mean, one of the best players um, in AA over the past month. He's just been outstanding. Uh, he's a toolsy shortstop. Maybe, you know, he's a, he's a glove first type of guy, but his bat has really just been going insane this year. Really intriguing stuff out of Joey Ortiz, who moved up two spots out of the um, – MLB pipeline rankings where he was at 16 um, earlier this season. And then at 13, I've got Cesar Prieto, a guy who, you know, he's kind of been struggling in double uh, A Bowie, but he's been flying through the system after being signed to the Cuba less uh, international free agent signing period. And, you know, he's the second baseman, shortstop, middle infielder. He will play some third base, but he's best at shortstop and second base. I think second base by far. Um, but he's got some sneaky pop in his bat. He's only 22 in double-A, which is also encouraging for Cesar Prieto. And another second baseman of the Orioles drafted in the second round a couple years ago now is Connor Norby at my 12 spot. Um, you know, Norby hit a 444-foot uh, bomb a couple of days ago to lead off the game, um, which is really impressive. I mean, I'm not sure how many guys are hitting 450-foot homers in double-A. I mean, that, I mean, that – I don't, that's not something I would expect from a guy like Norby. He's got some pop, but I didn't know he had pop like that. Um, so, you know, he's a guy who maybe is not the best defender, but he can get the job done on the infield. He's a second baseman. He does not really, he doesn't really play, you know, shortstop or third base, but he can get it done. He's got a really good bat. At number 15, uh, let's see. I have, yeah, I have Kevin Smith. Uh, he is in, yeah, he's in triple A. Uh, I, I feel like we have intriguing left-handers and he's he's been uh he's he's been more pitchable because of his stuff. Uh his stuff's just nasty. Uh and even though his command is an issue, he could be nice uh if we develop him develop him right. 
And then as for number 14, I also have uh, Joey Ortiz. Uh, I really like where he's at. Uh, he's the shortstop. He's in double-A Bowie. Uh, and if he he's he, we picked him out of New Mexico, New Mexico State in 2019. Uh, and he, he can be nice also. Uh, he uh he almost he almost four times in 16 contests before he got injured uh but if he if he continues to stay healthy he could be uh more defensive minded than anything else and honestly uh i i like defensive first players because you can always develop their offense but not so much their defense uh for number uh 13 i have connor norby uh second baseman double a buoy uh like you said he had that 446 uh foot bomb uh, a couple of days ago and his he's quick to the plate and he makes a hard contact uh he has to all fields uh so he can maximum he, when he gets on base he's pretty fast and he can he's aggressive he maximizes speed so he can be nice uh and as for number 12 i have caesar i, I really like where he's at defensively uh he he entered pro ball much younger than most international signings so uh we can de- develop develop him well he could maybe be like an alumnus a led miss ds type player uh so we'll see what he can bring and then as for number 11 i have what i have mike bauman he has a hell of velocity his velocity is crazy uh he can top at like 98 99 at times uh but i, I want his durability is a question so if he can stay healthy he, he can be solid in the major league level too i think for bauman he dropped out of my top 15 um for me he's just he's a bullpen armor this this stage is going to graduate soon um, he got recalled by the Orioles after um, Lopez got traded. Bauman going to be graduating soon, but at number 11 for me, I've got Seth Johnson. Um, I mean, I, I think you could move him higher. Um, I think he's capable of moving higher. He's talented enough to be higher, I think, in the top eight or so, but that Tommy John injury, while it may not set him back from a stuff standpoint, it's going to set him back in a, t- you know, a timeline standpoint. He's going to be 25 by the time he starts pitching again. 26 by the time he even has a possibility of, of seeing the majors with the Orioles. Um, so at, at number 10, I've got Orioles second round pick from this year, Dylan Beavers. He's got an insane pop from the left side. Um, he's a, I, I would give him a comp of like a, a prime Christian Yelich, prime Cody Bellinger. Um, he's got that type of a pop, um, that type of swing, really good stuff from Beavers, who I think could be this, this, you know, draft darling of the Orioles 2022 draft class. At number nine, I've got another corner outfielder, Heston Kerstad, who has really, you know, turned it around. You know, we didn't know if he was ever, ever going to play professional ball again uh, a couple of years ago, um, but he's falling out in high Aberdeen. He was outstanding in um, Del Marva, but he's just been crushing it to start his professional career. At number eight, I've got Kobe Mayo. He's, he's been injured. He's rehabbing now. He's finding his way back to Bowie with other guys like um, Kowser and Norby and Prieto and Ortiz, a loaded infield there, there. But this guy, I mean, he's the nephew of Jonathan Mayo. He's a national media writer for MLB Pipeline. But, I mean, this dude, I mean, I, I think out of 80, on a, a 0 to 80 scale for power, I think he's got a 70 power tool which is crazy his hit tool is not as impressive that's what is really gonna you know test to see if he's gonna be that major league guy but I mean he's just insane number seven I've got Kyle Stowers um he moves up from nine earlier this season um Kyle Stowers 
mean, what what more good can you say about this guy? He's cut down his strikeouts. The walk numbers go up. The power is still there. It's even better. He is hitting lefties better as a left-handed bat. Um, he's playing a solid corner outfield. He's major league ready. You got to call him at some point. Number six, Jordan Westberg. Um, you can make a case to put him over I, who I have DL Hall at five. I just think Hall's potential is and ceiling is much is higher than Westberg. Westberg, he he can do it all. He's solid at everything. He doesn't lack anything. He's not great at anything, but he's just a solid guy who can move through the system, you know, really extremely fast. Number five, I've got DL Hall who's struggling in Norfolk. Number four, I've got Colton Kowser, um, who uh, he's been he had a crazy month. He got our minor league player of the month for July award. Insane. He had six homers and double A smoking hot. I know. Like less less than eighty at bats, which is insane. Um I had Jackson Holiday, number one overall pick in the twenty twenty two draft for Baltimore, son of Matt Holiday. His swing is so pretty. I mean, it's just oh, it, it it's it's masterful. I mean, I, I think he, he's a guy who's a five tool five uh tool shortstop. You know, he's a high school guy like Gunnar Henderson, who I've got at number two, but higher rank coming out of college. And I think even though Henderson has an extremely high um, ceiling, he's a guy who I think even has a higher ceiling than Gunnar Henderson. And number one, I've got Grayson Rodriguez. I feel like you could make an argument to have like a 1A, 1B um, for Rodriguez and Henderson. But uh, Rodriguez is number one. He's a guy who could be Jacob deGrom-esque. Uh, for the Orioles. So at number 10, I have Chase McDermott. Uh, I, I do really like him, but I, he, he's been really solid. Uh, he, he said he came from a basketball family, so that's an athletic family. Uh, but yeah, I, I like where his velo is. It's going way up. Uh, so he can be nice. And like I said, his K per nine is just outrageous. Uh, so we'll see what he brings in the minor league level. Uh, as for number nine, I have Seth Johnson. Uh, I would have him a bit higher, actually, if he wasn't undergoing Tommy John surgery. So that's a big question mark. We went over that already. Uh, number eight, I have Heston Kierstead. Uh I really like where he's at. Uh, he resumed baseball activities last year. Uh, and he's still young, so he's he he can he can still make up the time he missed and climb up the Orioles system. And he can obviously be a middle of the order type bat if he reaches his potential. Uh, as for seven, I also have Kyle Stowers. Uh, I, I don't see much where he can improve or uh, down in the minor league level. Uh, he's an average runner. His arm is fine, but his best tool is his raw power. Like I mentioned, seventeen homers in AAA already this year. Uh, his stuff is nice. Uh, and then as for number six, I have I have Kobe Mayo. He has freakish raw strength. He's an athletic freak of nature. He's standing six foot five, two hundred fifteen pounds, uh, and he's fast too. He swiped uh, eleven bases, I believe, in twenty twenty one, and his size provides his versati- versatility. Uh, as for number five, I actually have DL Hall. We are we already went over that. He struggled in AAA Norfolk, but I, I I mean I like his potential, but. I don't know. Him struggling in the minors isn't that great of a sign, but we'll see. Uh, number four, I have Jordan Westberg, shortstop. Uh, he he's done great. He uh, he's opened eyes. Uh, and his his strength, size, and power. Uh, is is what gives him the tools. I have Jackson Holiday at three. I don't know if I mentioned Kowser. I think I messed it up. But uh, number three, I have Holiday. Uh, his his stuff. He, he's just raw offensively. He can be 
purely uh, fine. Uh, and he was batting 685 in college, which is just absolutely ridiculous. It's absurd. All right, for my number two spot, I was flipping between Gunnar Henderson and Grayson Rodriguez. And I, I think it's like, a, as you said, Nelson, a 1A, 1B type situation. But I got to go with Gunnar for now uh, at number two. Uh, he's We all know where he's at. He has a cannon of an arm. Uh, and his hitting is nice. We saw it displayed in the Futures game. And then for Grayson Rodriguez, uh, he has a four-pitch mix, which is just nasty. Uh, and his his slider is the put-out pitch. Uh, and he's trying to just curve a bit, which I really like to see because that just makes it that much harder to hit. So uh, he, I would compare it to maybe like a Max Scherzer or Jacob deGrom. He, he's number one for me. I almost put Henderson at number one, um, but I just think, Grayson Rodriguez's potential and just I mean I think if he was up right now with the Orioles I think he'd be in the rookie of the year conversation I think that's how well he would have been pitching even though he would have been called up like halfway through the season he's just been like he's been outrageous in AAA his stuff I mean he he tops out at like 100 um he averages upper 90s his wipeout slider change up is absolutely disgusting but that pretty much wraps it up for us on this episode of the Birdie Breakdown podcast. Hope you enjoyed it. Make sure you follow Orioles Unified on Instagram and Twitter. Follow our Twitter account for this podcast and make sure you follow Birdland Beat on Instagram. Thanks for watching and we'll see you next time.